0: I want to encourage you uh, with the word about fatherhood today and the importance of fatherhood. And You know, I, I, I began to just seek the Lord for it, and I, I, I kind of felt in my spirit that I was maybe going to shift out of cancel culture series, and I really just felt the Lord remind me of two things. One is that I had the same thought when I was uh, preaching a message on Mother's Day, and the Lord just quickly just said, no, it's, cancel culture starts with the Mother's Day message because... Mothers and, 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 and femininity is something that is under attack to be canceled from the culture of the day. And, and so I, I, I was just preparing a Father's Day message. I thought I might pivot away, and, and the Lord just reminded me of the same truth, that the family, the biblical family structure, the nuclear family, and biblical masculinity is also under attack from cancel culture. And so I wanna encourage you today with the significance and the heart of fatherhood. As we're in this series, Cancel Culture, and just grace me if you've been a part of it to just catch those who maybe are just joining us for the first time up to speed. Felt led to have this series as a a way to do two things in our lives as disciples, and one was just to really, to cause us to be more dependent upon the Holy Spirit so that we could have a greater measure of boldness in the day and age that we live in, to stand for Christ And to speak the truth in love, to be moved with compassion for people who are far from God, people who are dealing with confusion, but to also have the courage and the conviction. The conviction that Jesus still heals and restores and sets free and makes whole and brings uh, healing and hope where there is hurt and pain and confusion. And then we would have the courage to be able to begin to point people To Jesus, who has saved us, that that, that what the world needs today is the same thing that you and I once needed, and that is the grace and the mercy of a God who loves people just the way they are, but loves them too much to leave them where they are, and that the world needs what we still need, and that is a relationship with Jesus. And so cancel culture, if you're not familiar, it's this term for this phenomenon in our, in our culture. It's this recent movement to minimize, intimidate, or eliminate differing opinions or beliefs. And in an increasing way, especially beliefs, statements, or positions related to family values and biblical morality. And something that's been important for me to say every sermon through this series is that this is, this is not an absolvement for things where people really need to take personal responsibility for ways they've hurt people or things they've done or said. I've used racism as an example. There's no place for, for racism in the body of Christ or anywhere in our culture. There ought to be accountability for people that do things. But unfortunately, this movement to cancel and punish and, and, and penalize people relationally and, and socially and financially has gone well beyond legitimate needs for accountability for legitimate wrongs. It's extended to politics and, and health decisions, and, and again, especially to, to matters of position about sexuality and gender and family. And so, again, part of the heart of this series, twofold, that we would be increased in our boldness to begin to, to be willing and able to be the salt and light, to stand and speak the hope and the goodness and the forgiveness of God who we have encountered. And also that we would recognize that there are some places that is, is so, so cancel culture, the noun is that movement to, to punish and penalize and marginalize people, but The play on words for us is to kind of look at it as a verb that the Bible calls us to be careful about the ways that culture can begin to influence us as believers, and through this series to be willing to say, God, how are there some ways? Inevitably, it'll be true about every one of us. We look up, and there'll be some area in our life where we realize that the way we believe, the way we think, the way we live, the way we treat others, the way we see God has begun to be influenced maybe more by the culture around us than the kingdom of God within us. And so Romans 12 too is the scripture that speaks real clearly about this. And you might have learned it growing up. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I, I've loved the way the message translation has kind of unpacked it in even a more specific way for me when it says this. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. So would you allow me to pray over our our time this morning, and I just encourage you to just open your heart to receive what God wants to do in your life, and I want to encourage you that that while I'm speaking um, about fatherhood today, the principles within the message will apply to you as a woman of God as well, and we'll we'll cross over to other relationships. And so every one of you, I want to encourage you, open your heart to receive what God wants to do in your life. And the other thing I want to encourage you as we prepare to pray and get into the Word is that Every one of us, whether you're a man, woman, or young adult, or child in this room, we all have issues in our life that are tied to, inevitably, some of the things that we all deal with in life, and that's father wounds or dysfunctional family, because here's the thing. Some of us had really awesome, godly fathers, but even those fathers were imperfect, and even those fathers had come from a family with a father or a culture of dysfunction in some way, shape, or form. But then there were others of us who had really absent or distant or neglectful or abusive fathers, and then there's everything in between. And so we all can receive from what God wants to do in our hearts today. So Father, we thank you for uh, your heart as a perfect father. And Lord, whether today is a celebration for some of us of of the, the, the joyful memories of a good, godly father that we had, or whether today is maybe a painful or hurtful reminder of an absent or abusive father, we, we look to you and put our trust in you, God. Whatever we are dealing with, Lord, whether it's joy, sorrow, or pain, or anything in between, we thank you that, Lord, you have a heart to come and be the perfect father to every one of us, and that you have the grace to extend to us, God, to forgive those who have hurt us and to receive what, you, what only you could give, and then for us to begin, because we look to you and turn to you and put our trust in you, not any person. Or not any program, not any pattern, not the culture of this world, but we look to you. We fix our thoughts on you. Lord, you can transform us, you can renew us, you can strengthen us, and we invite you to do that today through this time and through this message in Jesus' name. And if you'll receive any part of that for yourself, come on, give God a good amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Okay, so I want to talk to you about the Father's solution. And I want to encourage you that, that many of us have been affected by, again, in some way, shape, or form, some form of an imperfect father because there is no perfect father on this side of eternity. There's only one and he's in heaven and, 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 and he, but he sent Jesus to reveal his nature and character to us. And so here's what I know. Is, even as, as I'm preaching mostly to a room full of believers, many of us have been affected by broken homes, absent fathers or dysfunctional families. And I wanna encourage you today that there are many things that the world is pointing to that we sh- can try to legislate programs or politicians and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have common sense legislation. I'm also not saying that we don't need to prayerfully pursue and participate in uh, seeing men and women of God be in those positions of authority in schools and school boards and in governments at the state, local, and federal level. We should be engaged in those things. But I wanna make a point that I believe is true today, and that's that I believe that much of what is plaguing us as a society and as a culture is actually rooted in broken families. And that the enemy found his way in to to our country. Speaking of our, of the nation that, that I'm preaching from today, if you might, even though if you're watching from another nation today, that there was a day in a, there was a time where, where there was a relatively strong sense of family in our nation. And that as as our nation began to progress and as our nation began to to urbanize, that there began to begin begin this wave of of divorce that led to broken families, of fathers and mothers, but especially fathers who began to misprioritize what it meant to be a success and began to chase after the American dream, and there's nothing wrong with being blessed, there's nothing wrong with with building a a, a business and having a successful career. God wants you to do all those things, but the Bible says that you can do all those things and you can lose your soul. And the Bible says that there's a blessing that God can give that does not add sorrow. But many, many, in our culture, many began to pursue those things, and it caused for there to be an increase, an uptick in divorce rates, which led to broken homes, which leads to what I'm about, to share with you today, and that's just a few facts that you can go find for yourself about the impact of fatherlessness on our society. And here's just a few. I mean, I, I could have multiple pages of some of these facts. I just, just pulled a few, cherry-picked a few to just share with you that underline the point that, that one of the key things that we as the people of God can prayerfully participate with God in is a restoration of marriage and family in our culture, starting in this church and this community, starting with our marriages and our homes. And listen, if you've sensed, if you, again, and, and when, I, when I speak on, on abortion or divorce, what I understand is that it's, it's good to quickly just bring a caveat, the grace of God abounds over every sin. And, and again, I just know in this room there are many people who have been impacted by, again, this is not just something that just happened. This is a strategic, specific attack from the enemy on the people of God and on God's most precious possession, which are his children. And so we have to see it differently and we have to receive the grace of God. And even if we've been affected by it or even contributed to it, we have to be willing to say, you know, I I believe what Pastor T is saying because it's coming from God's word and I commit to be a part of the solution moving forward. So there's no judgment here, just just some facts and hopefully a, a deepening awareness and commitment that we will have to endure in faith and family and marriage. And here's the thing is, there's a reason that marriage and family is hard and difficult because it's under attack from its spiritual enemy. And, and the enemy is, comes after strategic relationships in your life. And there's no more strategic relationship secondary to your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, than your relationship with your spouse, which leads to a relationship with your children. And so you better believe, I say it often, anywhere where there's power, promise, or potential in God's kingdom, you better go ahead and predetermine to expect opposition. And there's no place in your life where there's, where there's greater power, promise, and potential than in your marriage relationship and in the, your family and the opportunity to extend a heritage and a legacy of faith onto your children, and so you need to understand that, that, that the enemy, if you, if, you, if you are hearing this message and you are under an attack in your marriage and family, there's a way that you can even be encouraged by that. Because most wars that occur in the, in the nations of this world happen over resources. And there's, a, there's potential, there's promise, there's destiny that lies within your relationship, your marriage, and your family. And it's why the enemy of your soul is dead set to come against your marriage and your family but greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We can win this battle. We can win this fight if we will turn to God. If we will will not allow ourselves to be swept up, to be conformed, to fit too easily into the culture, but we'll say, no, we're gonna think differently. We're gonna see differently. We're gonna allow God to transform us by beginning to think the way God has called us to think. So here are just a few statistics about the impact of fatherlessness on our society. 70% of youths in state-operated facilities come from fatherless homes. Fatherless youth, get this, are 20 times, not two times, 20 times more likely to end up in a juvenile correctional center. Um, Fatherless children are twice as likely to be sexually or physically abused. 80% of violent crimes are committed by um, fatherless offenders. 90% of teenage arsonists, fatherless homes. 75% of teens who have to seek treatment for uh, chemical abuse Fatherless homes. Teenagers who come from fatherless homes, teenage girls, are seven times more likely to become pregnant than those who have a stable family. 85% of behavioral disorders, fatherless homes. Children from fatherless homes are more than twice as likely to commit suicide. So listen, you would think, and and by the way, um, at least two of those, I I did kind of some some expansive research on that, which means I just went to several websites. It has to be true if you find it on the internet, right? But but hear me, so, uh, the point I was about to make is a couple of those came from the Centers for Disease Control. And maybe not a bastion of conservative Christian thinking, but I'm just telling you, they're, they, they're, they, they acknowledge what God acknowledges and that's that fathers are important. That's right. Fathers are important. And you, you might think that if the Centers for Disease Control had their finger on these statistics, that that might be the pandemic that they were more concerned with. but I don't know that we could trust the politicians and programs of the culture to fix this. I think it's gonna be up to the men and women of God. And it's gonna be caused by by people, men and women of God who commit to fight for marriage and family. It's gonna be caused by preachers who stand behind pulpits who are gonna, who become increasingly willing to take a stand and begin to preach the truth in love, pointing people towards a God who loves and cares and heals and restores even the most hurting, broken, on the brink of divorce type of situations. That is what is going to bring healing and solution to our culture. If you believe it to be true, say amen. amen. So I, I wanna encourage you with... I've got two kind of separate aspects to this uh, message today. And one, I want to encourage you, if you've been affected or you are being affected by what I just said, maybe you didn't fall into one of those categories, but there was pain, there was hurt, there was something that was injected into your personal life because of a broken family, I want to encourage you with some steps that I believe that we can take today that can allow us and cause us to be positioned for the healing of God and the restoration of God. And I wanna give you six points and, 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 and all of them start with the, with the, the preface RE. And the first one is, is realize. Realize we live in a fallen world. Realize that, that, that on this side of eternity that sin has entered in, there are going to be challenges and obstacles in relationships. Number two is, and so just own that. This, the, 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 the standard that we set, the expectation that we have needs to be tempered on this side of eternity with the realization that we live in a fallen world. That's gripped by the the weight of sin. Number two, recognize that we all have imperfect parents. And I'm just telling you, 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 some of us might have had good parents, but they were still imperfect. And many of you very clearly and obviously had imperfect parents, again, because of abuse or neglect. Number three, and this is really, really important, is that if you recognize, if you realize and recognize, our responsibility, regardless of how much was done to you, is to release them, which is the R-E word for forgive them. You know, I say, Pastor T, but you don't know what they did to me. And I'm just telling you, I I might not know what they did to you, what they said to you. What you hoped that they would do that they didn't do, but I'm telling you that the call of God and the, and the responsibility that you and I have as believers who have been forgiven of much is to find the grace and summon the strength to lean upon the forgiveness and to be reminded of all that we've been forgiven of and to find the grace to, in the simplest of terms, say, they might have abused me, they might have hurt me, they might not have been there for me, but I commit in the name of Jesus Christ to release them and to find the grace to say, I forgive you I forgive you because you need to hear me some of you are riddled with the pain of your past and much of it is because you're carrying it with unforgiveness and when you forgive that person in your life it does not make what they did or said or didn't do to you right it only makes you free from having to be the one that carries the burden around for that area of sin release them recognize realize release them Today, God, I just pray over this church, over every, every person that's joining us, that anyone who's carrying a father wound today would find the grace to release them, recognizing that every father is imperfect, realizing that we live in an in imperfect and a fallen world. Number four, these steps that we can take is the fourth one is rededicate yourself to God. Turn to God and allow him to be the one that could really only fill that spot in a perfect way in the first place. Allow him to heal you, allow him to fill you with a good Father's heart. That that's his desire, that's his longing, he understands, he knows, he, he sees what you went through, what you're going through, he sees what you needed, that di- the, the places in your life that didn't get Filled with the love or the affirmation or the goodness of a good father on this side of eternity and I'm telling you that he's right there willing when you meet him on your knees in prayer, when you meet him in your word, when you meet him in Christian fellowship like this, when you meet him in small groups, he is there. If two or three are gathered together, he is there and he is ready and willing to begin to speak a better word. He's ready and willing to begin to bring affirmation about who you are, your identity in Christ. He is right there ready and willing to begin to speak to you and tell you from his word or through a message that a preacher brings or or through interaction with other believers that you matter to the purposes of God, that God doesn't make accidents, that you were created on purpose, by design, for a purpose. Rededicate yourself to God and allow him to heal you and fill you. Uh, Number five, relate to spiritual fathers. Connect to spiritual fathers in the church. I mentioned it a little bit, I didn't intend to, but last week in my message, it just came out that we, we really this year are focusing on how we can do a better job or focus on men's and women's ministry and how we can take, bridge the gap between our men's ministry and our women's ministry and our youth ministry, where we're making disciples of our teenagers because more and more and more and more young people are coming into our student ministries with the absence of a father or a mother in their life. And we realize we've gotta begin to not just see the problem, all those statistics and the others that I could've put on paper and presented to you today, we've not just got to see the problem, we've gotta say, Lord, how can we be a part of the solution? And so, a couple Saturdays ago, we cleared our schedules, and our pastoral staff went, and many men's ministry volunteers went, and we spent all day from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. just pouring in to the lives of these teenage boys, telling them who they are in Christ, helping them to see from the Word of God that the world has a definition of what it's going to look like to be a man, but God has another definition and We begin to encourage them that their life matters and we begin to speak to them that if when they deal with pride or when they deal with, with, with downtimes in their life or unforeseen painful things, when they, when they deal with confusion in their heart and mind that there is a God that loves and cares for them and there are men of God who will step up and step into their life to speak the heart of God over their life. And so here's the invitation that we have. Begin to relate to spiritual fathers. You've got that void in your life? And begin to look for spiritual dads in this room. Begin to get involved in life groups. Come on, I'm telling you, that's a great context to begin to to see. And it might not necessarily be an older guy with gray hair, sometimes it will be, but you might find someone that just carries that father's heart and begins to relate to you and encourage you and is there for you in your dark hour or your moment of testing who is there for you to speak the life of God and the word of God over your life. So we've gotta realize, recognize, release slash forgive. We've gotta rededicate, turn ourselves to God, trust in him, and we've gotta begin to relate connecting to spiritual fathers in the church. And the other side of that is not just relating as in looking to, to receive from spiritual fathers, but begin to say, God, now, would you allow me to become that? Can can I see that maybe one of the highest honors and callings of my life is to not just be swept up in my business or not just be swept up and going to church, but to begin to say, how do I look around and begin to see that there are there is a pandemic of fatherlessness and there are men in our church, there are young people in our church. And again, this is a principle that, that conveys over to our women's ministry as well, but begin to say, Lord, would you begin to give me the opportunity to just begin to speak life, to begin to model what it looks like to be a man of God to the next generation. Lastly, we've got to respond. We've got to be willing to take responsibility. We've gotta be willing to break the chains and the bondages of dysfunction and fatherless. So we've gotta be willing to say that might have been what was modeled to be, that might have been what I experienced, but I'm taking responsibility to say even though I'm feeling it, and, and it's hard because, because the Bible talks about the iniquities and the sins of the previous generations that are passed on, even felt by the third and the fourth generations. But, be, but don't forget that the next sentence of that scripture says, but the blessing and the love of God extends to thousands of generations. And so we can say, listen, I'm going to begin to connect to the love of God, the blessing of God. I might not have had the benefit of that, but now in this moment, I've become aware that that's, what's gonna ta- that's what it's going to take for me to begin to be healed in the places that I got to be healed, in, be made whole in the places that I need to be made whole in my heart, mind, and my emotions so that I can begin to take a stand with my wife or, or with my family and begin to say, it stops with me. It stops with us. This next generation will be able to look back and see a lasting heritage of godliness, faith, and family values. And listen, if, if you would say, well, that sounds good, Pastor T, but I've already made that mistake. I've already, I'm already part of the statistics. I'm telling you, it's, there are no lost causes with God, and it's never too late to start to do the right thing and it might look different to you, and it might take a different approach, and, 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 and you might have to actually be reaching back into the lives of adult children, but there is a way for you to begin to take responsibility for things and respond in a godly way. And I'm not telling you it's gonna be easy, and I'm not telling you that the first phone call or email that you send is gonna be received well by that child who maybe you were absent from or abusive to, I'm not telling you it's gonna be easy, but God is still in the business of doing impossible things. It might seem impossible with man, Come on, you know where I'm going. It is possible with who? With God. All right, now I told you I had kind of two parts of the message. Now I'm going to shift. And I want to use the, I wanted to start with that because I wanted us to all kind of have some framework for how there's a pathway to be healed, to be restored, and there's a pathway for us to be part of the solution. of of this um, pandemic in our society. But I wanna now shift and I wanna encourage you with the heart of a father. And I'm gonna use the word father and I'm gonna use the acronym F-A-T-H-E-R. And I wanna talk to you about what I believe God's called us to be as spiritual moms and dads using this acronym father. And also what God, that that God is not asking us to do or be anything that he's not willing to do or be for us first. So the acronym father in the first is faithful, is faithful. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 says this, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and this is Paul, a spiritual father, speaking to a spiritual son, and he says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, he says, entrust to faithful men, somebody say faithful men, come on, say it again, faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. You know, I appreciate that that says faithful men, it doesn't say talented men, anointed men, popular men, handsome men, come on, some of you, most of you qualify for all those things as well. But he says, entrust these things to faithful men. And he says, to ones who will be willing to teach others, who, to ones who will be willing to say, my, my, I, I need a personal relationship with God, but I understand that part of what God's doing in my life is he's deepening my personal faith so that I can be used of God to bring other men along with me so that I can raise up my children to know and fear and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, entrust these things, whatever you've seen, whatever you've heard, if you, in the presence of many, entrust these things to faithful men. God is looking for faithful people and you might say, I'm not, smart. I'm not as smart as that person. I'm not as well-spoken as that person. It's all right. You know what God's looking for? Will you just be faithful with who he's made you? And will you just be faithful with what he has revealed to you? And will you just be faithful with the wife that he does give you and the children that he blesses you with? Will you be faithful with the church family that he's invited you to be a part of? He's looking for faithful men. Today, it's the commitment I'm asking us as men to make. What's it look like for us to say, man, I want to be a faithful man. I, I, I want to be, be there. I want to stand strong. I want to stand true. I, when, I, when, I, when I fall down, I want to trust that what God's word says in the book of Proverbs is true, that even if I fall down, a righteous person, it says, not a sinner, a righteous person can even stumble seven times. This is not about perfection. This is about making a determined quality decision Like Joshua made, where he said, if it seems right for you to serve the gods of this world or the gods of the culture, you go ahead and you do it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we make a commitment and say, man, God, I'm not going to be perfect. There's no way that I can be. And And I'm still dealing with some stuff because I have the background of dysfunction or a painful past or an imperfect father but would you help me to be found faithful? Would you help me to, put, to wrap my heart and my mind and my hands around your word and your promises and commit to live that out again and to say, God, whenever I stumble, whenever I fall, would you help me get up and keep moving? Would you help me to, because faithful men are not perfect men. Faithful men are, are men who are willing to say, I rely on the grace of God so that I can be found as faithful. Okay, so the F is faithful, the, the A is affirming is affirming, that we are called as fathers to be affirming to our children that more than anything perhaps they need, they don't need your money, they don't need a college education that you pay for, maybe more than anything as it regards or results, or, or regards the resulting, successful, blessed life that you want for your kids to live, they need the affirmation of a father. And Matthew three sixteen says this, this is powerful, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and with a voice from heaven, said, this is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. God God the Father realized and recognized that even Jesus was going to need the affirmation of a Father to fulfill his purpose. And I want to draw out a couple things about this. Do you realize that God is saying right there from heaven, And there are many people around that are hearing and seeing this happen. God is saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased before Jesus has ever done one miracle or mighty deed. In other words, it's not tied in any way, shape, or form to his performance. And how many of us may be dealt with a father whose love was dependent upon your performance? And he's saying today, you need to understand, I love you not for what you do or what you achieve. I love you for who you are. And that's what he modeled right there for us. Jesus hadn't fed the 5,000. He hadn't turned the water to wine. He hadn't done any of those things. And and God said, that's my son. That's my boy. Yeah, you think he's from Joseph. Joseph's just been a stand-in. That's my boy. And just because of who he is, I want everyone to know that I love him. And I'm pleased with him, not because of what he's eventually going to do, and is it possible that what God realizes that what he was called to do was dependent upon receiving this before he ever did any of it, the affirmation of a father? You might say, well, but that's Jesus. Could the father really love me for whom I am? And John 15, nine, Jesus said this. He said, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in that love. John 16, 27 says, for the father himself loves you dearly. And I just wanna ask you, question this morning, what have you empowered to give you your sense of worth and your sense of value? Because many of us, we we allow other things to begin to define or ascribe our sense of value or our sense of worth, The, the amount in our bank account, the letters behind our name, the sign hanging on our door that has our title and our job, the position within the church, what is it that you've empowered, the popularity of others what, in the community? What, what is it that you've empowered to be your source of identity and security? And I'm telling you today, all those other things, there's nothing wrong with a lot of those things, but they are, they are a fragile source, a shifting source of identity and security. And the number one thing that we need, you and I both need, the number one thing that every, ch- that every child needs is the affirmation of father. And I appreciate that the, the faith that we're living out called Christianity is a faith that's entirely based upon what he did because of his love for us and it's based zero upon our own works or deeds. Zero. Yeah, you gotta believe in your heart. Yeah, you gotta confess with your mouth. I mean, I guess it takes a little bit but I'm just telling you, what we can do for God, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. There's nothing The the entire concept and construct of your faith that you're living out is entirely based on God's unmerited, undeserved, unrelenting love for you on your worst days. It's not dependent on your ability to perform or achieve. This is my beloved son in whom I love and I am well pleased. He's done nothing that I've called him to do yet, but I still love him and I still accept him just for who he is. So faithful, affirming, and T is time, time, and this is a challenge in the culture that we live in, but the the truth is kids really spell love, T-I-M-E, and time is is, is the commodity of relationship, And, and listen, God's calling us in this day, in this hour of busyness and hustling and bustling, I'm just telling you, we could be conformed to the pattern of this world and we can look up and get the results that the world has to offer. Or we can be willing to say, in the midst of it, because again, God's, God's called some of you to build a business, to build an empire, to build a company, to, to, to go and to move into shake, to succeed in athletics or academics or government or whatever. There's some things that God has called you to, but in the midst of it all, don't forget to preserve and prioritize time for your family. And I'm just telling you, with, um, with, with my own family, it's a struggle for me to begin to, to, to recognize or realize I'm getting kind of swept up or caught up in my work. And because, and many times, I, I'll, I'll just be real with you. Sometimes I realize that because when I'm dealing with my own personal pain or things that, I'm, that God is still just in the process of working out as part of my salvation, I can realize that I actually can kind of begin to hide in my work. I, I can begin to hide from God and hide from my family and what that's going to cause me and call me to have to be accountable to, to kind of deal with my own stuff. And, and, and so maybe, maybe that's just me. <laughs> but I want to encourage you today that, that God's calling us back to prioritizing in the midst of doing and building and going and I'm, I'm, I mean leading and serving and all the things to just say God help me not to get so swept up in those things that are temporal that I forget about what really matters, my relationship with you, my relationship with those that you've entrusted me to. Time. Deuteronomy 31 6 says be strong be courageous do not be afraid or terrified because of them so those are good commandments from God good things for us to live out but then I love how God backs up that condition that he's calling us to with a commitment that only he can make watch he says for the Lord your God goes with you he will never leave you nor forsake you and and I appreciate that how, God can, how the Holy Spirit can kind of unpack something. I, you could look at that and think that's kind of one concept, leave nor forsake, but it's two concepts. The word leave implies a physical presence. The word forsake implies an emotional presence. And how many know that you can actually be physically present but emotionally absent? And, and so God's calling us in this. He's saying, I, he's saying I'm, again, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to model myself. You could be strong, you could be courageous because, you're, because I, I'm with you and I will never leave you physically and I will never forsake you emotionally or spiritually. And, and listen, here's what I, I know is that there's a lot of us who are either struggling with this or we've been affected by this. And again, two promises is that one, if, if, if you've been experienced by this, God can make up the difference. And two, if you haven't lived this out well towards your children or your family, maybe you still have kids that are in your home and you have the opportunity to say, God, would you just help me, just grace me to begin to focus on on prioritizing time or setting apart time. And, and in busy seasons where I'm really having to blow and go to just do the things you've entrusted or called me to legitimately, authentically be part of my calling and my purpose, help those times to just be really impactful and special and kind of make up the difference of a busy season. But, I, but I'm just telling you, there's, God can make up the difference in your life if you didn't receive time with a with a good father you know, on this side of eternity. And two is that once again, it's never too late to do the right thing. You can make a commitment right now, even if you got to begin to reach upward into the lives of adult children say, man, I'm just sorry that I realized something. I realized something. I should have been more present there in your life. And I'm just telling you, there's something powerful that happens in my life, in my marriage, when I'm willing to just be real and be vulnerable and be transparent and just say, I, I, I think back, and I wish I would have known some things now that I knew then. And I just wanna apologize that I wasn't as present for your activities or for your sports or for your school. Or when I was home, I'm sorry that many times I was kinda absent emotionally or spiritually and just watch what it begins to do in the life of, Again, I, I can't, there are no money back guarantees to this I just, and there's no guarantee that the first reach out or phone call or email is gonna go smoothly or go well. But I just promise you, if you'll just begin to just say, I, I wanna be there, I'm sorry that I wasn't there, just watch what God will do, I believe he'll bring healing. All right, so we're faithful, affirming, giving of our time and giving of ourselves. And the H is that God, the Father heart of God is a heart of mercy and grace. Exodus 34:6. God is introducing himself to the people of God through Moses and this is in the context of delivering the Ten Commandments, which is the law of God. And, and it says in verse six that God passed in front of Moses and said, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord. watch how he introduces himself, the God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and Faithfulness And listen, this is one of those places that because of imperfect fathers that many of us have on this side of eternity where our perspective, our filter, the lenses with which we see God through can begin to become uh, jaded because many of us see God as a judge and a taskmaster. We see God as he's just up there waiting for you to blow it and make a mistake and for him to strike you down. And maybe you had a father who was harsh and heavy-handed with you. And I'm just telling you that God does have a standard, but the God that we serve, remember Jesus came full of grace and truth. He passed in front of Moses and he said, I'm I'm a God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. In Exodus 20, speaking of the way that sin affects even the third and the fourth generation, he says, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me. Aren't you grateful that God is a God of mercy and compassion? And today, if that's not how you see God, and if you realize today that maybe that's been influenced or affected by a heavy-handed, harsh father that you had, unfortunately, in your life, today I just wanna encourage you to just ask the Lord to begin to reveal his heart to you. That's what he was doing to Moses. Did you catch what I said earlier in passing? This is in the context of the Ten Commandments, the thou shall nots. And he said, in the midst of the thou shall nots, he said, you need to know that the reason I'm giving you these thou shalt nots is because I'm a good, compassionate, merciful father. And I know that if you get into some of those things that I'm warning you about doing, it's not gonna go well for you. It's gonna introduce pain into your lives and the lives of the precious people around you. A good father A good father wants boundaries for his kids. A good father has mercy and compassion but still wants to provide the boundaries of life. I've used it before, it bears repeating in the context of this. I love my kids to play out in our backyard in the area that I've kind of built out and I poured the mulch down and I kind of made it safe for them and I planted the plants all around it and everything and I built them a playground and a play set. It's got swings, it's got a curly slide, it's got a fort for them to get up in and I love to see them playing there. And I love to see them playing there. But when I see, if I walk out and I know that our little four-year-old guy has been out in the backyard and I look over and that gate is open, I'm telling you, it's got my attention, buddy. And I'm running towards the street and I'm running towards the front yard because I love to see my children play within the confines of what I have prepared to protect them. In the context of the Ten Commandments, God says, thou shalt not do these things, but know that I am a God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness, and if you'll confess your sins, I will be faithful to forgive. E E is expressive love. Two more, stay with me. Expressive love, expressive love, and how many of us maybe have been affected or influenced by a father who it was difficult for them to express their affection to us? And it ties back to what I was saying earlier. You gotta understand, we, we all, we, live, we gotta realize, we live in a fallen world and we gotta recognize that every one of us has imperfect parents and every one of us came from a set of imperfect parents. And there are some of us who had parents, who had grandparents, who came home from those world wars and they were jaded and they were hurt and they were shell-shocked and they could never really fully express. They worked hard, they built things, they, it was a wonderful generation, but many of them were just unable because of what they endured and what they experienced. To be able to fully express outwardly and openly with, with, verbal, uh, with verbal words and with physical touch the affection that every child needs. In Mark 10, verse 16, the, the little children are coming to Jesus. And the religious people are like, oh, get them away, you know, I mean, and, and Jesus said, you let those little kids come to me. And, and I wanna just, I wanna draw out what he did right there. It's just one little, pass, one little scripture within that greater passage, but I think it's powerful. Watch what it says that Jesus did. Because again, I feel like everything that Jesus did, nothing was wasted. He was modeling something for you and me. And it says, he took the children in his arms, placed his hands upon their heads and blessed them. And our, our children need fathers who are able to say, God, would you grace me to begin to outwardly express, even maybe from a place of a deficiency in my own life? Would you, would you allow me to begin to understand that faith comes by hearing? Would you, be, uh, would you allow me to begin to express the reality of my heart, I love my kids? Would you allow me to be able to begin to speak that outwardly? To say, this is my son whom I love, whom, in whom I'm well pleased? It says, Jesus laid his hands upon them and he outwardly spoke a blessing upon them, and I just wanna encourage you. Maybe if there's nothing else you take away from this, other than maybe some healing God does in your heart, your children need to hear you speaking your love over them. And, 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 And if there's a practical little takeaway you could take, it's like, man, fathers, get involved in 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 tuck-ins, get involved in those moments where you could go and you can lay your hands upon their head and just you might not have King James language to pray in or you might not have all the religious confidence to pray but just begin to just tell them how much you love them and just begin to bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus and just watch how God begins to take that one commitment to that little practical discipline and just begin to open up your, your heart and fill your spirit with other blessings and words and promises that you could begin to do what Jesus did for those children. He laid his hands upon their head and he outwardly spoke over their lives. Lastly, we need fathers to operate in relational authority. Relational authority. Relational authority, this is a big one. Relational authority because our culture is the way it is in many ways because parents have abdicated the opportunity and the, and the God-given responsibility to be a source of relational authority in the lives of their kids. If we've been too consumed about becoming their buddy and their friend, and and it's good, we should endeavor and hope and believe that God will allow us to have friendships with our children, but first and foremost, your kids need you to be a source of godly relational authority in their life. And what we see is just the opposite. We see kids coming, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds coming with questions about their gender identity and parents taking them and putting them on puberty blockers. I'm just telling you that's child abuse. What we need is someone to say, let me tell you, son or, or daughter, there is some things, some confusion. There's an enemy of your soul, and let me tell you and point you to the word of God. Your children doesn't need you to be their best friend when they're a kid. They need you to operate in relational authority, pointing them to the love and the goodness and the truth of Jesus Christ. We need relational authority. John 1:14 says this, the word. So this is the word of God, the written commands and instructions of God. The word did what? Became flesh. And what lived among us, made his dwelling with us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only God, who, son, rather, who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word, the instruction, the law, the authority became flesh and lived it out in relationship. And that's exactly what our kids need. Relational authority, clear guidelines, clear boundaries, but not operating in the rule of, of religiosity or legalism, but we're us saying, we're, we're here relationally. You have questions about why we do it this way. Come and talk to me. Come and ask me. I want to be there. I want to relate to you. I, I, I want you to know that, that I, I don't just, I'm not just here to just discipline you as a father, I'm here because I love you and I care for you and I see what God has invested in you and I want you to connect to it and I understand that there's an enemy of your soul who would like nothing more than for you to get off track or for, for you to, to become conformed to the pattern of this world which unfortunately, even amongst our children and our teenagers is depression and confusion and doubt and fear and anxiety and your children, our children in this church, in your home, in your family, they need you to to be faithful, they need you to be affirming, they need you to give them your time, they need you to have a heart of mercy, they need you to express outwardly through the laying on of hands and through the verbal expression of love and they need you to be a relational source of authority, a guiding compass in their life. It's one of the key responsibilities that God has given you if he's made you a physical or spiritual father or mother. Would you stand on your feet, and let's just allow God a few moments here as we prepare to close to just give us a chance to respond and receive, respond and receive, respond and receive. I, I, I know, you, maybe you can even hear a little different tone in this message, and I, I understand it's very sensitive, but it's very important. And I understand that it's something that's very near and dear, and it's, it hits home for a lot of us. And I believe that God knows that even more than I know it as a pastor And that today, he he sees, he knows, and more than I even, and that's saying something. Hopefully you can sense the sense of care that I have for us, for this this flock, this congregation, but God cares. And so, first first off, if you have dealt with the father wound and are still dealing with it, I wanna give you the opportunity to be healed by the presence of a perfect father today. It might take a process of healing, but I believe God can and will do some things in some people's lives today, just where he comes and he, he just touches something, he heals something, he extracts something from your life today that allows you to begin to walk in a different way, live in a different way, see in a different way, receive in a different way, express to others in a different way. Something that God today just wants to come and wants to do like a great physician, like a great physician. And I gave us a prescription, but right now in this moment what I'm asking God is to also to, to do a surgery. To, 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 to in the way that he could do with his skilled hands, he's a master physician, to come in and just to, to cut away, to heal. So, so Lord, I just thank you for that. And, and I, this, is a, this is a family, this is a safe place, and I, I think there's many of us who would relate to this. If that's you, if you've dealt with, a, again, something that was said, something that was done, or an unfulfilled expectation that you had from your earthly father today, would you just lift your hands before the Lord and just say, Lord, would you heal me? Would you allow me to recognize and realize the fallen nature of our world and the fact that he or she was just doing their best maybe with what they had been given and what, they, what had been modeled to them or maybe I'm not even aware of some of the things that happened in his or her life. I'm not even aware of the unforeseen thing that happened or of the thing that was spoken over, over him that caused him to not be able to be what you needed him to be in my life. And so I, I release him, I forgive him today. And I thank you, Lord, that what that means, it doesn't make what happened or didn't happen that I needed to happen, right? It just is part of me just becoming free in a deeper a new way today, in Jesus' name. And then if you are, are a man of God in the house today and you wanna commit to, to live this out and walk this out in a new or deeper way, God's just kinda convicted you about just your role in being faithful and affirming and giving your time and expressing love and having a heart of, of mercy for your kids, especially when they stumble or when they fail and... And maybe stepping back in to be that 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 moral compass that kids need, and parents to be a relational source of authority. If you if you just want to commit to do that in a new, a fresh, or a deeper way for your for your young children, or even in a in a kind of a retroactive way by the grace of God for your adult children, would you just lift your hands before the Lord to receive? Father, I just thank you for these men of God. I bless them today. God, I bless them. I thank you for their heart, Lord, to to respond and take responsibility. I thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would grace us as a church, we see, it's rampant, we see all the problems plaguing our society and the way that the statistics bear it out. Lord, we pray that you would help us as men of God, even in our imperfections, even in our worst days, even, but we would rely on your grace in a new and a fresh and a deeper way today that we would be part of the solution. Lord, again, even in our imperfections, that's not what you're asking us to do, you're just calling us to be faithful. And Lord, I just declare that over every man here today. Lord, I pray that you would heal their hearts. I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would call them to a deeper place of abiding in Christ and abiding in the word and finding and drawing our strength from you, God. We can't do it in our own strength, but God has a way of calling and placing and positioning us into places that that require us to desperately need and depend upon him. And I'm just telling you, marriage and fatherhood is definitely one of those assignments. And so, Lord, we just commit and recommit ourselves to look to you, to put our trust in you, to find our forgiveness and our grace in you, Lord, and to be empowered by you, Lord, to be the fathers that you've called us to be for our children and for the, the children of this church and this community in Jesus' name. And lastly, just maybe stay in that posture, maybe heads bowed and eyes closed. I wanna give people a chance to come home to their heavenly father today, to come home. And maybe you or what the Bible describes and tells of a prodigal son or daughter, you once were close to God in church, serving God, you've drifted, maybe made some bad choices, you've tried to build your life in your own strength, and, and inevitably, if that's you, inevitably, each of us who tries that gets to that place that that prodigal son got to, where he realized he was, he was out of funds and he was out of friends. And he realized now I need to go back to my father's house and maybe, maybe he'll just make me a servant in his house. Maybe he'll allow me to just come and just kind of do something, do some chores around the house but the heart of the father was well beyond that. Before that person, that prodigal son or daughter had ever had a chance to really, to, re, to, to make the right, the wrongs right and to, to begin to kind of straighten out his or her life, the father came running. The father came running with arms open wide saying, I've been praying, I've been looking, I've been hoping for this day and this is the moment where I welcome you back and, and, I, and, I, and I put a robe on you and I put a ring on you and I call a feast for you because all of heaven celebrates, God's word says, when even one person returns back home to his or her Heavenly Father. And maybe that's you today or maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Receive what it feels like to have all the weight of guilt and sin and shame removed from you, not because of your religious deeds or acts, but just because of the free gift of God. And if that's you, you're in either one of those camps or anywhere in between. Right now, this is your moment. In this room and online, right now, would you just lift your hand high towards heaven? Just lift your hand high towards heaven and say, that's me, I need to come home to my Father. That's me, I need forgiveness. The forgiveness of a Savior. And if you're online, I think it's powerfully important you might make a moment to even just say, yes, that's me, that's me. Man, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, if you raised your hand, you could lower it. And if you're part of this church, you know what's coming. We're gonna pray this prayer with these individuals. And we do it for two reasons. We wanna quickly just show them there's a church family. We wanna come alongside you and help you, encourage you, strengthen you. And 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 there's also a second reason and it's just it, weekly it reminds me it reminds us that we even as we're growing in our faith we never graduate from grace. So come on let's pray it together. Say Father in Jesus name. I recognize my need for a savior. I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I couldn't pay. To make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say it loudly, I will never be the same. And then put your hands together and rejoice with all of heaven. Hey, come on. Hey, come on, let's worship our good father one more time and then we'll turn you loose, get you about your father's name.